Welcome to Let the Music Be Your Master. I am Jordan Harmon, and I'm joined with my colleagues. Jason Johnson. There he is. Brandon Arnold. Gorgoth man himself. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if that's what... We're here... This is 2010 episode. Can we just decade. get something right... Put it right on the table right it. now. I, I want to formally apologize to our, our listeners. Um, we've, we've struggled finding obtaining audio quality through the uh through the the social distancing recording method yeah. and but my audio was always good no <laughs> that is the exact I've opposite the mics i've got the best setup it's just you guys and so we showing uh, we appreciate that uh, that people have patiently listened through uh we found a setup that works we've been able to to Respect social distancing, but actually we be in the same to space. Expose ourselves to coronavirus. And I've and never, just... <laughs> I've never been happier to be with you two uh, than I have right now. I've missed you guys. I love you guys. And um, it's been a long time. The yeah. audio was was borderline unlistenable, but the content hopefully was enjoyable enough that it made <laughs> up for it. And so, thank you everybody for for patiently putting up with the uh, the Zoom algorithm. I think Indeed. I think we kept five of our subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> we lost others, but yeah. If you dropped out during uh, during the uh, the dark days of of Zoom audio, uh, we're back. We're recording in my garage. We've all got uh, decent microphones this time. Yeah. We won't have to deal with uh, Jason's video <laughs> pausing and then playing in slow motion. Oh yeah, that was fun. I don't think any of that ever made it to the recording, but your reaction to it yeah. made it to the recording. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, here yeah, we are, Jordan. Good. Kick us off. 2010s. What do you have to say, man? I'm excited about this decade. So one of the things, I don't know if you guys, have you been reflecting on these decades, especially the ones we've been alive for, right? The other ones were like, oh, I've seen movies about that decade, or I know some facts from history. But these decades are like big chunks of our lives. And so like the 90s for all of us, it's like junior high, high school, mission, like, you know, growing up into just reaching adulthood basically 2000s was like getting married having kids going to grad school you know starting to work full-time 2010s for me is really like the 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 decade i just like gave up on my dreams and just (laughs) just no it's the but it's the decade of like it is like for me post-grad school becoming a therapist like career just a more kind of settling into you know, adulthood in a way, but um, a lot of, I don't know, it's just a, there's a lot of good music from this decade, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't have much, there's a lot less radio stuff for me, and it was true in the 2000s as well, and similar to the 2000s, yeah. the internet is still just the king in terms of how it gives us I music. I think this decade represents the most um, dramatic change in how we listened to music, um, I mean, we right. started to see it in the early 2000s. You know, we started getting iPods and MP3 players, and we started to get the beginning of streaming. But I think this was the most dramatic. Like, this was the decade that I finally paid for a streaming subscription. This right. is the decade where Pandora, for all for almost all intents and purposes, replaced much of the radio that I listened to. Uh, as far as like terrestrial radio, this was also the decade for me where um, I started sharing music with my kids, which also I think puts a different um, 
kind of lens or perspective on on how I'm looking at it and how I'm talking about it with with people that that I want to share something that really matters to me and so it's it's a it's an interesting decade for all the reasons you said and then I think just in general kind of what happened to music um there's some cool stuff. I wrote down some interesting themes. I won't get into it yet. I think some of it will naturally come up. But some interesting stuff, I think, even just happened with music in general and the the people making music, kind of their relationship to music. I mean, music labels started to change. Music distribution started to change. People's relationship to albums in general started to change. And um, it, it really... it. it I think it did some cool things, some problematic things as well. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I can't wait to hear yeah. your lists. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, this was a, a fun decade for me. And the one that I was uh, probably most intimidated by making a list for, mm-hmm. because as I started putting a list together, I was realizing that every everything that I listened to, well... If if I go through, so I'm a Google Music subscriber. That's where I get all my music. Um, and like like Jason said, this is the decade where you can listen to anything now. It's all available. You don't don't have to buy it if you've got a subscription, or even mm-hmm. not. You can go to Spotify and listen to ads, but you can listen to anything you want. Um, if I go to my Google playlist and just go to all the songs and rank them by order of how many times I've listened to them. There's yeah, yeah. almost nothing from this decade in like the top 100 songs. Really? Yeah. And the ones that do make it, the things that I've listened to the most from this decade, are artists that I was already familiar with from the past that have kept putting things out, like hmm. Sufjan Stevens, Radiohead. Um, so the, for, these for kind you, of the new that, platform hasn't necessarily coincided with new music discovery. Right. Well, it's coincided with old music discovery. Right. Like, this is where I've gotten in. Like, I never listened to Earth, Wind, and Fire or Stevie Wonder or that right, stuff right. when I was growing up. But mm-hmm. now that. So, you kind of used it to, to go in reverse from that point right. and really start to dig deep into like roots and influential music yeah. of the stuff that you probably like. Yeah. So, in researching this, like, went to, went to Pitchfork, went to Rolling Stone, some other online lists of best songs and best albums from the decade. Mm-hmm. A ton of the stuff. Um, I had never heard of the artist before. And a lot of it, I was familiar with the name, but hadn't ever tried to listen to him. Right. So, like, what, whatever was popular is, like, totally off my radar. So, all, a lot of this stuff is, was new to me, which is fun to discover that, but also challenging because I, I don't have the same confidence as with the other decades where right. I don't know, like, the whole body of work of the artist. Right. So... With my list, I mean, you'll, you'll probably be able to tell as I'm going through it, but some of, the, some of the songs, it's more like, I really like this song, and I want to get to know this artist more. It sounds like they have potential based on what I've heard, but I don't necessarily know their, their whole history or right. everything that they've done. Yeah, well... We've got a lot to talk about, a lot to listen to, so let's get started with it. Do, do you want to mention any have? general themes or impressions mm. before we start, or just jump right into it and see what comes up? We've talked about the kind of technology differences and how... I think that's an interesting thing on like what people are listening to. Brandon mentioned the, like Google Play. Like 2000s, people were starting to use Pandora, and these kind of... So the algorithms were starting to be more prevalent, but still people were listening... 
I think a lot of I know I was like getting lo- discs from the library in the 2000s and like burning them onto my computer and then transferring to my but you don't that's a big difference this decade like there's really no need to go anywhere other than to like I want to support this artist or I want to listen to this on an album which you can that, still do by yeah. subscribing to a streaming service not right. it's not great to right. support them but it better supports than it was, them yeah than like, Napster, like you can than if you can spring for an iTunes or an Apple Music now subscription you have access They're to every some money like off of that. Yeah. yeah so for for listeners it's great in that way and for it's, I think it's affected the musicians in the same way, where you can make a whole album by yourself if you're, right. if you're multi-talented like that. Or like I think of Iron and Wine's first album. Mm-hmm. What was that, 2001 or something? Early 2000s. Right. Where you could do that back then. Like he just recorded it all himself in his bedroom or whatever. Um, but it's on like a four-track tape recorder, yeah. and so it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, but now you can have someone like Tame Impala that puts out all these albums and people just assume it's a whole band and it sounds great. And it's one guy, right? And it's one guy with a computer and an yeah. audio interface. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. There's, I mean, there's a whole genre of rap called SoundCloud rap, right? Or SoundCloud hip-hop. I don't know what they call it exactly. But yeah, it's basically SoundCloud rappers. People who are just releasing everything there. And you can collaborate remotely with people right. send your stuff yeah. they can load it on their computer yeah. yeah so in that way i think it's opened up a, a Co- ton of collaborate for, and distribute that's the crazy yeah. part mm-hmm. is you can distribute your stuff now like chance the rapper's first three albums i still don't think he's signed they're with a label free, right his they're, last one he the well one he just he, released. they're they're independent though yeah. they're not oh, that's right. they're not yeah. with a label he makes them and then he distributes them yeah and, so I'm, I'm guessing in our list we'll talk about some artists that got yeah. famous through soundcloud or something like that yeah youtube Probably, yeah. Well, who's got um, a 2010? In a, in a very last-minute yeah. um, change, effective like 20 minutes ago, I have a 2010. A 2010. Well, you're kicking us I, off, then. I have one, too. I'll go after. You want to go first, Brandon? No. Hmm. Oh, you guys are so polite. <laughs> this is what's happening here. All right, I'll start. Um, okay, 2010. I wanted to include this artist in my early 2000s and it didn't fit, but she has some great stuff in the 2010s, so it worked out. Um, I think she has, for my money, one of the best the best voices of like the last 20 years. I think it's an all-time great voice. Uh, everything I love, uh, everything she's done, I love. Uh, it's a, an artist named Sharon Jones of Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Nice, yeah. Uh, one of the themes that I wrote down that was kind of representative of this decade was this soul revival mm-hmm. where you had um, you had bands that were making music that truly sounded like it could have been made like in the 60s, you know, out of like Stax Records or Motown, and they did it really good, really effectively. And I think this group's one of the best ones. I think Sharon Jones has one of the best voices in the business. She unfortunately passed away, I think, in 2018 or 19 from cancer. Um, she found fame a little bit later in life. She signed with a, a label called Daptones Records, and they're, they were really a key piece in kind of pushing that soul revival and their house band was a, a group called the Dap Tones and or the Dap Kings. And I think they're one of the currently one of the best backing bands in the business. So 
She put out an album in 2010 called I Learned the Hard Way. Uh, The song I picked from it is Better Things. It's like a classic soul song, nothing too fancy, but it highlights her voice really well. It highlights what the Dap Kings did really well. And it's just a really fun song. I think it's, it's like a, a, just a perfect capture of, of what, what's great about soul music. And she did it in 2010. So fire up better things by Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. I've referenced it multiple times, like those goosebump things. Her voice is absolutely a goosebumps voice for me. Um, I, I was pretty heartbroken when she passed away. Uh, I've seen her once in concert. She's an incredible performer. She's dripping with sweat when mm-hmm. she's done. She always performs in a heel, in heels and a dress, like uh, everything down to her image is that classic soul image, and mm-hmm. she gives it all. She's mm-hmm. like a James Brown style performance. She's dancing. She's entertaining took it very very serious like her calling to entertain the people and her voice is all time like she's one i wish um i don't again i don't know why her track wasn't different part probably in part because of when she was making the music that she did but like i think her voice is absolutely a a top tier voice that could go it, it, it would be an incredible voice in any era and i just love the music that she made uh that that stuff the dap dap kings are an incredible backing band just love everything about it so sounds great great pick um so for me only hearing that song and not familiar with anything else can she do like uh slow ballad type stuff oh yeah billy holiday yeah yeah she can most her stuff favors that a little bit more like she did an awesome cover of um i should say they did an awesome cover of the almond brothers midnight rider which is really, really good. But I, I, she doesn't have an album I don't like. Everything she's done is, it, and it's all like right in that kind of soul revival um, track, and and just really fun. She's a she's one of my favorites. I still have a ton of her stuff in regular rotation on on playlists, different playlists. You were you familiar with her, Jordan? I'm oh, guessing yeah. she's great. Yeah, and I I agree with you. The kind of soul revival. You, there's a lot of it. There's um, I mean, you had you had artists like uh, what's his name, uh, 
Raphael Sadiq is that yeah Raphael Sadiq he, he's he kind of went that way there's a lot of people who were already doing other stuff but then there's people who were like Sharon uh, Sharon Jones and like Charlie Wilson is that his name no no uh, Charles Charles Wilson. Bradley Charles Bradley yeah Charlie Wilson is the one that does stuff with Snoop yeah <laughs> he's awesome too but yeah Charles Bradley I, I love it the and Raphael of, Sadiq had been doing stuff I, wasn't he in Tony 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 yes he was yeah and then he, he was like Lucy Pearl he yeah. did stuff with D'Angelo. <laughs> I mean, he's been, he's kind but of he's a journeyman. part of that same but soul revival. He, he released uh, at least one, maybe two really great albums. Yeah. That were total kind of retro, vintage soul sounding. Yeah. Good so, stuff. Anyway, that's, cool. that's my pick. I, I would, check that out. I would have no problem, like, recommend, that's a pretty safe recommendation for anyone that mm-hmm. just loves music. Explore her discography. She's probably got eight or albums or so. She's got a Christmas album. She's done some cool compilation work and, and it was never on a big label, but it's all fantastic. I, I give all her stuff like a, a high recommendation. Nice. Excellent. Okay. For my 2010, um, I'm going with, um, uh, not sure how to pronounce it. Jonesy. Jonesy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Is it Jonesy? From, uh, from, from, um, Sigur Ross. Yeah. From Sigur yeah. Ross. Uh, so his solo album came out in 2010, um, and it's quite similar to Sigur stuff. Maybe I don't know how much acoustic instruments Sigur used. They I picture them mostly with electronic, ambient, yeah. you know, drone kind of stuff. Uh, whereas Yonzi's album has a lot of acoustic stuff going on, but still, still similar vibe to Sigur Um and I hadn't heard Sigaro's songs with this much kind of upbeat energy. Not that Yonzi's whole album is like that, but the song I, my favorite song from his album is the opening track called Go Do. And this, uh, this song gives me goosebumps every time. Uh, just so much going on in the song. So here we go. Go Do by Yonzi. that does to me but something about just everything that he's putting into that into that song it listen to that song feels it kind of has the same feeling to me as being in disneyland <laughs> like I it's, love it. it's yeah. this uh and i actually used that song as uh, the soundtrack to a little compilation i made of when our family went to disneyland yeah, yeah. but that's probably why that's, why that i chose it. it it seemed to match because it's right. got that that kind of utopia like 
magical feeling. It's fantastical. You, you can yeah. fit it in on the small world, right? <laughs> well, it's it, it's very interesting because some of the sounds. I mean, there's some he's kind of, there's some experimentalness certainly with Sigur Ross. Yeah, I think a lot of the people that love Radiohead's direction love Sigur Ross in yeah. terms of some of that. But there was one of the people who was gonna be on my list, but I moved him off, off and I'm not gonna say his name. Do it. Do it. Do it. But I was listening to the stuff that came out a couple of years ago and thinking, wow, this is so groundbreaking, some of these sounds. Listening to that, I'm like, oh, Jonesy, tell us did, who Jonesy it, did it before. Tell us you who know? it rhymes with. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. But, but I'm just saying that's it's really cool stuff. Uh, I don't, I didn't, I don't remember that song specifically, but I've never dove into Sigur Ross, but um, I've always felt that I that I should, you know, almost like I'm supposed to, mm-hmm. which maybe, you know, some some, you know, you kind of let stuff come to you. I think uh, it doesn't work for me sometimes when it's like I have to I have to get into this, but I've liked the stuff I've heard. They've done some really yeah. cool kind of visual for uh, me with stuff. with Sigur Ross, like I have to be in that specific mood. Yeah. Cuz they're Kind of similar to the Cocteau Twins, like they they have kind of this uniform. That's sound. exactly like, what I seems was like going to say. Album you put you, on you with can't them, just sit down and casually listen to them. You you mm-hmm. absolutely have to be in the right but, mood. But Yonzi's album, the album's called Go, and it just has more variety to it. And so I, I never I, I listened to, to his album. album. Is it a good? Is the oh, whole yeah. album solid? Yeah, yeah, it's really good, and a fair amount of slow stuff in there too. But yeah. it it was fun to hear this kind of upbeat energy coming coming from it and it does it so well combination like george said with the the technology taking samples of his voice that mm-hmm. kind of stuff yeah and mixed with all these flutes and do yeah. you know with the band is it like is like joe i know he's the singer but mm-hmm. is it because with radiohead it's not like it's just tom york and a bunch of right. yokels you know with uh cigarettes is it is it <laughs> tom york and the yokels i <laughs> tom think york and was the, the original is, name is that's what, what they were they... gonna call it <laughs> Is it Jonesy and the Yokels, or is it like is it like Sigurás? Sigurás is like is he the mastermind and yeah, everything? I, or I is guess it I, like don't a real group? I, I don't read, know. I've read a little everything. bit about him. I know they have um, like distinct roles and in, in, in instrumentalists in it, and I think they've had like at least one or two changes in in personnel. Um, I think he's I think he's the um, the one that kind of gets credit for the artistic direction but mm-hmm. um yeah people will, and i think he's released some stuff some solo stuff right isn't there like albums that are just called jonesy like well that well, was that's what, what this is that's what that is okay mm-hmm. yeah uh point yeah. taken so so yeah <laughs> Check, I please <laughs> i don't know who's playing who else is playing on it if it is just i would be surprised if it's just him playing everything because there's so many different instruments like it's not it's not computer keyboards kind of stuff yeah cool cool Okay. All right. 2011. 2011. I'll 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 use my 2011 choice. Do it. Um, so, this is a a band. Um, this one is it's like a band name, but it's really a, a guy's project, and he brings in other people to play with him, um, to record with him, and he's he's from another band that's kind of its own super group. So the performer's name is Dan Behar. He's from Vancouver, Canada. The band name is Destroyer, which is basically a name for his project. He's also from the band The New Pornographers, which I don't know their their work very much, but I know that's another kind of Canadian indie rock band with uh, Nico Case, and I can't remember who else is in that band. Yeah, but they they barely didn't make my top ten for last for last, last decade, decade. Yeah, yeah. so They've Dan got a ton of great songs. Yeah, Dan Behart put out this album through Destroyer called Kaput. 
in 2011. I came across it, I think it was that year. I think it was probably like a pitchfork, like, here's the new releases, and started listening to it and automatically loved it. It's got, it's, 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 it's dripping with kind of, for me, the best kind of irony uh, in terms of, um, it's well-crafted, like, pop music. It's got some, almost like some soft rock type stuff, like some trumpets and saxophones that you hear a lot of people using that kind of stuff in the last five years, but this was pretty early in terms of using some of these sounds that were pretty overtly cheesy, but using them in a way that was really pleasing, but also you kind of, the, there's like a, there's like this is serving some greater irony or something. Um, but his album in a lot of ways is about addiction on very micro levels, but on very macro levels, like addiction to greed or to oil from certain countries. And, and, um, and it's, it's a beautiful song, beautiful album throughout this one song called Kaput is the one I chose. It's got a really clever music video with, um, yeah, anyway, you'll have to check that out on your own. It's, it's a, it's a trippy, interesting music video. But Kaput by Destroyer is my 2011 pick. first heard this album i was so ready to hear that the flugelhorn or trumpet what i don't know if it's a flugelhorn or trumpet and that saxophone in just an unabashedly beautiful kind of cheesy way but in a in a new context in a new setting and this this pumps me up Um, i can already tell that this is going to be my favorite one to record so far yeah because um i and i think it's probably a reflection on the decade there's so much music out there. There was so many ways to get it. Like, that you have certain things that became mainstream, mm-hmm. but there's so much, like, mainstream, I don't even know really what that is now. Like, you've got your top right. 40 stuff, but I don't know that. It's almost more rare to find someone that likes that yeah. stuff. And to, so, yeah. like, so far out of the gates, like, I think all of us have had stuff that at least one of us sitting here has been like, well, oh, that's nice. Yeah. I haven't heard that before. Right. And uh, I, I assume that'll probably continue to a certain extent. And I think that's one of the the really fun things. Like, I love putting this this decade list together because it's 
it's really diverse and there's just so much good stuff that like I forget about and go yeah. oh that's right and it, and it's it makes me wonder like what will this decades music how, like how will it be remembered how will it be archived mm-hmm. 30 years from now right. because it will exist somewhere like in the 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 ether of the uh the internet but like without stuff like this, right. I guess trying to catalog it, like what's going to preserve that and make sure that somebody 20 years from now is listening to it. Cause there's so much, like I'm pumped so already. So much kind of idiosyncratic I'm, stuff. Yeah. That's good. That's diverse. And you might just, never and there's a ton of it. And I know our lists are going to be full of it. Yeah. My bad. You Indeed. just tilted. Mm, be sitting okay. Do you guys have a 2011 <laughs> or do you, do you have anything have to say one. about destroyer? What are you, what are you hearing? I, Brandon, from I know hearing? nothing about destroyer never listened to it um i know a lot of new pornographers stuff yeah. and I, I like them so i've uh yeah i'll definitely have to check this out well his his, his voice he must be doing stuff processing on his voice because it sounds different there is a uh, yeah he's not the lead singer on new pornographers oh yeah so he is not he's uh i don't think so maybe he is but i don't think so i think he's like one of I don't even know. I don't know their stuff well enough, but I, I think he's like one of many, and he sings sometimes. Oh, okay. But this is his kind I know of side they've got a girl project that, that sings. Yeah, I think that's Nico Case, and I think there's a different singer who's the lead. But but uh, um, if you heard the lyrics in the lyrics at the very beginning, um, wasting your days uh, chasing some girls, all right, chasing cocaine, cocaine through the yeah. back rooms of the world all night. The video is this kind of geeky kid sitting at his computer. And like with these like the sweatsuit and he's kind of wiping his nose like a cold or maybe cocaine, whatever. But there's all these women, these all these girls that he's kind of like wandering through this ro- these rooms. And there's all these women that are, you know, attractive women in swimming suits and stuff that he's kind of brushing through. So it's a, it's a very not so subtle reference to kind of pornography. Right. And and addictions, cocaine and other things. Um, and so uh, and, you know, 2000, I mean. That's obviously been a huge change besides music is people accessing pornography, accessing all sorts of stuff. And so 2011 and was right at the beginning of the opioid epidemic. It was after, of course, the, you know, not after the the war in Iraq was still raging, but it was, you know, eight years in. So throughout the album, there's different references to kind of like to America, to oil, to kind of personal addictions and heroin to all sorts of things and kind of hedonism and this almost this kind of bittersweet but like beautiful kind of music that's ironic but but beautiful anyway um it's a great album check it out there's probably four songs on there or five that i would have put on this list and i just chose the lead the the title track because that was that was the one that I'm most familiar with. Mm-hmm. But, that, that's yeah. another interesting theme. I've got at least four songs that are from albums that are a direct response to like America or an event in America at the time. It felt like this decade really produced some really great musical responses to events right. and to conditions where people were really putting their feeling into their art. I know that happens mm-hmm. all the time, but this one seemed like it was much more um, overt and apparent than, than perhaps like some of the stuff that came through in the, the 80s or 90s or early 2000s. I think we saw it quite a bit like in the 60s, maybe a little bit in the 70s, but it felt, um, at least in my list, it felt really, um, really pronounced in, in many cases. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So that's my 2011. Okay. Do you guys have a 2011? I do. Um, all right, 2011. I I would say that this decade, like Jason mentioned, a uh, um, R&B revival. Um, I would say that this decade also, I think, witnessed a folk revival. Um, and probably started in the, the decade before with the... Bon Iver, Iron and Wine, those kinds mm-hmm. of you know soft mm-hmm. acoustic groups, but they were—I don't know—they were ever super well known. Um, but it seems like in this decade that that genre took off more popularly with uh, Mumford and Sons and some of those other type, uh, you know, acoustic uh, two or three part harmonies, right. all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and my uh, my favorite of of that kind of music in this decade is the fleet foxes, hmm. which also they made their, their big splash in the, the two thousands with their debut album. Um, their second album Help, helplessness blues came out in 2011. And this whole album is dynamite. They, I, I think their debut one is great. I listened to that a lot. Um, but I think they took it to the next level on this album. Uh, so I'm going to play the, the title track, Helplessness Blues by the Fleet Foxes. Um, and just, uh, just pay attention to the... If you haven't heard this, I'm guessing you guys have heard it, but um, I love the intricacy of all the acoustic instruments that's going together and and all the, the harmonies. It uh, felt like all the best stuff of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, Helplessness Blues by the Fleet Foxes. They're so nice. Yeah, and there's so many of them. Yeah. Uh, and they are super fun to see live. I've seen them a couple of times. And, yeah, really, really powerful stuff in the, even in the kind of quietness of, of their music. Yeah, about five or six years ago, we went, Joanna and I went to a, a show up at the stateroom. I can't even remember the main band, but it, it wasn't Fleet Foxes. But the opening band was a band called Poor Moon. And it turns out it was... It was 
two of the guys from Fleet Foxes, and it was the the most beautiful harmonies I've ever heard in my life. Mm. There's two of them and a band behind them, and it was very. If you heard it, you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I recognize these voices and I recognize these harmonies." And it's subtly different, a little less folky, a little more poppy zombies ish or something. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I've always um, enjoyed these harmonies. Nice stuff. Yeah, I, I liked what the Fleet Fox did. Fleet Foxes did. They did it right. Um, I need to dig back into them. I, I followed. Uh, I don't, I don't want to mention him by name. He may come up. Um, their their drummer obviously has had his solo um, path, and I've I've followed that a little bit more than I did theirs. I've always mm-hmm. I've listened to everything they put out, but they did it right. They get I think they get maybe grouped in a little bit with. There was that folk revival that it seemed to run out kind of quickly run its course kind of quickly and i didn't always love it especially some of the other bands that were part of it but they i think were definitely the best of of what that that was and what that represented i love the crosby sills nash comparison i think that's a a great Mm -hmm. comparison um for for what they did really good Mm -hmm. and and i hear a lot of simon Simon garfunkel in there too Mm -hmm. though i think those bands made more uh I don't know, straightforward kind of pop folk, uh, whereas Fleet Foxes maybe aren't as accessible. Like the songs tend to be more complicated and use stranger chord structures, but they've, uh, like this this one I think is a easily accessible straight up yeah. hit. Yeah. So I uh, will let you know, I was, I was de- deciding between a couple of things and I decided to add Take away one and add another 2011. I don't know, Jason, do you have a 2011? Nope. Okay. So I just, I made that executive decision. Here we go. The clock's on. I had to do yep. it. Partially for our friend, Steve, Dr. Stephen Leon Ricks, uh, but partially just because I'm letting the music be my master here. And I'm just, you know. So we're going to go with a, an album um, from 2011 and a song on the album from a woman. Um, her name is Meryl Garbus, but her band name or her performing name is Tune Yards. Um, Oakland, California based. I'm just reading Wikipedia right now. But, great band. But yeah, great act. Very unique, very interesting music, great voice, powerful voice, interesting kind of songs and sounds and song structure. I haven't seen her live. Uh, my, my wife went to see her live and said it was just an amazing show, but we've listened to her, at least a couple of her albums quite a bit. And she's released quite a few. I haven't even listened to her 2019 release. Um, but she's, it says here on Wikipedia that she's released um, five albums now, four of them in the 2010 decades, uh, decade, the last decade, 2011, 2014, 2018, and 19. Um, this album is called Who Kill. The highest it reached was, uh, what, 49 on the, what's BE? Is that Belgium? <laughs> on the Belgium <laughs> charts? In the U.S., it was 148, right? U.S. alternative, it was at 19. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, the the song that I want us to listen to is called Business. And just listen to Tune Yards, the way she uses different unique sounds and rhythm and her voice. It's pretty, pretty cool. So this is from 2011, Business by Tune Yards.
up, sit up, get up, stand up, get on it. Brandon was swallowed up in the music. He's like, he's going for it. Well, yeah. I forgot there That's was good. that break into the into the into the. I'm so there. pumped yeah. that you picked that. She did not make my list, um, but she's one of my favorites of this decade. She has almost like a superpower in her ability to play with and manipulate rhythm, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes it can almost be passed off as like quirkiness, right, but I, but I right. think it's like genuine genius, Yeah, and her stuff is really, really good. It's good, yeah, and I needed to dive in more to her recent albums. This is the album from 2011 that we that I listened to the most and, and know, know best, but... Um, Tune Yards, great stuff. I know uh, Steve, I think it was in a text maybe to us. Like He was like, hey, Tune Yards going to make it? They better make it. <laughs> he's and Pitt. he's yeah, been he's trying pit. to manipulate he's, these he's, lists. And <laughs> frankly, I think it needs to be addressed in a, a more official capacity. But you're, Next time he texts, you're going to like shut it down. He's, like, really, Steve, he's really jocking to manipulate these lists. <laughs> Oh man! Well, he did. He it worked, right? Like I was sitting here, like, oh, should I put Tune Yard? Should I not? And I was looking at my other list, and I was like, nope, <laughs> I've got it's now or never. Okay, I'm putting it on. So Tune Yards is on on the record. That's going to space. Good. And that's one that I've never heard of before. So, What's I love that, it. what was the name of her their album? Uh, was it Nikki Nack? That's Nicky a, Nack. one of the songs was, on that made it to a, a Apple Music commercial. I yeah, think. I believe um, that. Yeah, I, I remember. I can't remember the song. Do you remember the song? Was it Water Fountain? I can't remember which Let's song see. it was. I'm looking up right now. Um, Water Fountain is on that album. I can't remember. I'm really impressed that I I even pulled that off the top of my head. Thank you, thank you. Well done. Um, But yeah, really good, really good stuff. Indeed. All right, are we are we on to next year, 2012? I've got a 2012. Go for it. Go for it. Um, this one is probably this one might be a surprise. It's it's probably the closest I have to like mainstream. No, actually, I've got some others. Um, I I surprise myself by including this song, but it's just I think it's an unquestionably good song. Um, kind of an interesting character. Jump right into it. I've freaking picked a Grimes song. Grimes mm. song of mm-hmm. all the things. Yeah. Uh, kind of electronic pop musician out of canada uh if you don't know she's married to uh e- elon tesla musk they just <laughs> had a baby tesla that they musk. gave a super weird name to that that consists right. of letters and numbers um and kind of an interesting unique character but this i think this was either her first or second album and um just really i picked oblivion from the album visions and it's i think it's to me it very much represents like kind of the direction that youth culture was going with music in this decade and i think it really represents the best of what a 
person could make when they sat down with a computer and just started layering together, uh, you know, interesting, interesting sounds. And her voice is, is legitimately good. Um, I think it's just a, I think it's a cool song. I think it belongs to on a, on a list to be shot into space. So excellent. Go ahead and play Oblivion by Grimes. There's something I've used the term before, and it's obviously something I think that appeals to me, like a, a wistfulness to it. Maybe I'm just wistful of my uh, my youth that's rapidly escaped me. But um, it's uh, there's a, a wistfulness to it that I that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, her voice is kind of a goosebumps voice for me. And then, like I said, like that would be a like. I, like if a kid was trying to figure out how could I make music on my computer, I would I would definitely hand that track and say, listen to this and like let let your mind kind of open up to what you can do mm-hmm. with a with a microphone right. and a, a a DAW machine yeah. and and some software. Yeah, it's got, it's really got a, like it's simple and yet it's very just right. When you listen to it, you're like, this song isn't missing anything. And it's simple and it's it's effective. I really enjoy Grimes' early stuff. I haven't I kind of haven't followed it. It's been more you know following the kind of the social news in terms of her you know just being aware that she's married to what's his name Montgomery Burns. (laughs) 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 She is married to Montgomery Burns. (laughs) Not quite. I don't know if that's quite. It's more like the. I don't know who's who's the who's the fictional equivalent to to Elon because he is like a fictional character, right? He's like I don't know uh, any of the bad guys in the Mission Impossible <laughs> yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> some kind of bad guy in a James like, Bond or Mission Impossible. He's like he's not Doctor Evil. he's not Doctor Evil from Austin Powers, but he might be like one of the he's guys that would sit the in the boardroom yeah, with yeah, Doctor yeah. with Doctor Evil. Right. Yeah, but. Uh, He's Grimes definitely cool. part of a. Of, he's definitely part of a group that has is planning on building a space shuttle that rich people get to get on when the oh, Earth yeah. eventually destroys itself, and right. they're they're going to be escaping and leaving the rest of us here yeah. to to burn. Yeah, that's right. He was famously well, well, good invited luck to them. onto like Trump's initial council of something, and I think he was trying to you know, but then I think it was too 
too controversial and dismissed himself. But yeah, and see, that's part of the maybe that's part of Grimes's problem. Is mm-hmm. here we are talking about that when we we should be talking we about should Oblivion be talking about and her other, right. other music. But there's all these distractions. But yeah. early on, especially, I agree. I haven't gotten much into any of her recent stuff. Right. Um, but she. The, those early albums are good. They're good listens. Yeah. Like she was on an interesting track, and I think she made some intentional decisions um, as far as like who she wanted to be professionally. But that early stuff, pretty, um, I think, indisputably great voice and a good sense of of like pop aesthetic. Yeah. Right. Good pick. Okay. I like it. I like Grimes. I, I didn't even th- I didn't even consider her, but it wasn't. If I would have thought of her and remembered this, I, she would have been definitely on my honorable net mention, if not on my list. So I'm yeah. glad you, I'm glad you picked it. George, 2012. I have no 2012s. 13. No, I got nothing till 14. I've Same. got a 13. Okay. I've got 13. This okay. George's firing all his shots. He's going to have nine picked before yeah. we hit 2015. <laughs> No, I've got a, I've got a 2013. This is absolutely one of my favorite bands of the decade, and um, I, I the band is is Haim, spelled H A I M. It's a band of three sisters uh, from California. And just a quick story: the, the song I'm going to have us listen to is "The Wire." But a quick story about well, let's listen to the song, and then I'll tell the the quick story about. Does it have anything to do with the TV show "The Wire"? Uh, one of the greatest television shows doesn't. of all time. No. <laughs> this is a yeah. We'll just listen. You know I'm bad at communication. It's the hardest thing for me to do and it's say it's the most important part that relationships will go through. And I gave it all away just so I could say that but I know, I know, I know, I know that you're gonna be okay anyway. You know there's no rhyme or reason for the way it turned out to be I didn't go and try to change my mind and not intentionally I know it's hard to hear you say it But I can't bear to stay in I just know, I know, I know, I know That you're gonna be okay anyway Always keep your heart So I want to make fun just a little bit, but I feel like you're going to tell a a heartfelt, sensitive story that's going to make me feel (laughs) guilty. I should have told the story first. And so now I'm not. I'm going to refrain. I'm going to refrain. And and you need to tell the story. So they're very poppy. Like they've they've made it in terms of they've been on Jimmy Kimmel or you know all that kind of stuff. Um, They're I mean they're going for they have a love of pop music. You can tell in their songwriting. They're trying to make great pop music. This isn't a sensitive story, so you can say whatever you want to say. Um, but I want to just tell you I how, still I, would anyway. how I came. Yeah, you'll say it. How I came <laughs> to find them and and really enjoy their stuff. I was at uh, you know those concerts up at the Twilight concerts up in Salt Lake City, right? So they would go back and forth between the Gallivan Center and like the Pioneer Park or whatever park it is called. I don't know. Jason's over there hacking up on it. <laughs> 
I was just thinking about <laughs> how much I like Haim. <laughs> how much he likes Haim. So I was at a concert of, it was, uh, what's her name? Juliet, uh, no, what's her name? Jenny Lewis. Jenny Lewis. Jenny Lewis and the Watson Twins, or maybe it was just Jenny Lewis. And it was at the Galvin Center. It was one of those free concerts back when it was still free. Tons of people there. So I'm watching Jenny Lewis with, uh, with you know, some family friends. We're, we're watching this uh, this great concert. And there's this girl who's playing, going from bass to guitar to then on some songs playing extra percussion, like uh, some stand-up drums. And she had really long hair and it was flying all over the place. And she was totally stealing the show and was amazing. And they and they highlighted her a few times with some solos and stuff. And I was she like... She was an opening act or she's playing she with She was part Jenny of Jenny Lewis's okay. band. And I was like, who is that? Like, who's on stage? There's like the female version of the Animal Muppet on stage who's just <laughs> rocking every instrument and is amazing. She's coming and doing like harmonies and stuff that sounds great. And then she's rocking out and these stuff, you know. So then a few years later, I'm, I'm you know, I, I see Haim, maybe it was this song, maybe it was another one. And I'm like, that girl, I feel like I've seen her before. Like when I watch her playing playing guitar or something. And so I look it up, and sure enough, it was... Because I remember from... And, oh, I looked it up, it was Danielle Haim on the video. And then I looked to see, did she ever tour with Jenny Lewis? And sure enough, she was part of Jenny Lewis's band during that summer. So here's what I like about them. I like the music, because I like good pop music. I don't want to... I know, Jason, you, you have a thing against music that, like, sounds good. <laughs> that's produced well. Uh, that's, like, trying to be popular. Like, I think their music is trying to be popular. Isn't trying to be, like, like inaccessible. But I also appreciate if you're trying to be popular, but you're also playing your own music, writing your own stuff, and crafting, like, the choruses that fit with the verses that, you know... And so they've released, I think, three or four albums this last decade, and so many good songs on, on each one. And so this one I picked because this was kind of their first. I don't even know if it was a hit because I don't know if you hear it on the radio, but they're you know they're on G- uh, Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and the all the Jimmys, right? They're on all the Jimmy shows. Um, so they've got some some level of Paul Thomas Anderson has directed some of their videos, right? They've got some some uh, stuff going on for them there, but. But that's uh, that's my Heim story. Daniel Heim rocking out at uh, the Jenny Lewis concert. So let's hear your your. I was, I was your just take. gonna say it's good. It seems like it would be a good like companion piece to a Shania Twain song or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? So that. But okay, I, I okay. interesting question for you yeah. based on something you said. Um, and I think this is one of the strange things about this decade. Yeah, I, I'm on the record. You already know how I feel about saccharine pop. Um, yeah. What? constitutes a hit in the 2010s because you said i don't know if they had a hit and i was just sitting there thinking about that statement like i know exactly what made a hit in the 60s 70s 80s 90s and even 2000s what constitutes a hit in the 2010s that's a good question youtube clicks it it kind of is isn't it probably it's like it's it's youtube clicks really yeah that's, I mean, there's there's many different avenues, right? You could say being on Jimmy Fallon means you have a hit, but maybe it just means you've you've made a certain level of fame, or you have you're with a label that's big enough that can get you on that show. It just whatever. it just means that you're Except that going you're by that t- tame enough for for Jimmy Fallon yeah. to to bring you into his tepid mix of oh, right. mediocre right. humor. <laughs> <laughs> No, YouTube clicks is a good one. Sometimes, though, there's stuff I've seen on YouTube that has so many clicks. I'm like, I've never 
ever heard of this at all. I've never heard anyone that's heard of this. And it's that's it's so weird. What were you going to say, Brandon? I was going to say by that metric, uh, Take On Me by AHA would be the biggest hit of the decade. That has the most hits on YouTube? Yeah, you like crossed some billion. I don't know if it really does, but it's... But it's got like, a lot. Yeah, it, it crossed some but billion good, yeah. threshold or something. That and uh, Gangnam Style. And, yeah, Gangnam yeah. Style and... I mean, there's all sorts of like, whether it's Nicki Minaj songs or Taylor Swift, like there's certain people who, you know, this last decade, I think of you hear there's certain Taylor Swift songs you would hear on the radio or at public places or there's certain Justin Bieber or there's certain, you know, Katy Perry songs that would be. But Obvious there's ones. even been some artists, uh, one of them is on my list, so I'm not going to name it by name, but there's be, even been some artists that have just release songs on youtube like yeah. their release that's was right. a youtube video release it wasn't right. part of an album it wasn't part of a compilation right um, it seems like that's that was the a more reliable metric though than yeah billboard yeah. top 100 or whatever because how, how is that even right. decided how, how does I, billboard I decide it anymore Can't be, i have no idea but I, I think that's sales. one of the things that makes this decade a little bit strange and, and like i said i think it'll be interesting to see what the future does with this because we have this historic record that we've decided is a reliable way to tell us like what was important what was a hit what was big and i don't know that we have like a thing we agree on right now for the last decade so it'll be right. it'll be interesting I, people are going to have to rely on on probably this podcast yeah. to tell them this will be a, what, exactly what was good yep <laughs> what, what was objectively that's why we're good. here for you folks that's it oh man i feel even better i knew i was doing something import, important and now you know and important. now i know yeah <laughs> that was for steve oh man yeah i will i will admit my my own bias with with this band another one yeah. that i had never heard of mm-hmm. but they popped up on a lot of these lists yeah. of best of the decade and i just just by looking at the album cover, I thought, oh, this is must be like Wilson Phillips, and I didn't oh. didn't even give it a chance. But it turns out that your judgment was absolutely correct. <laughs> Come on! Well, and here, here's the double look by a cover, and you're taking his word for here's it. Here's the double a, bias. I actually yeah. like Wilson Phillips. Yeah, so why would, why, why would I? Why would you yeah. like these guys? Yeah, <laughs> no, you, should, you should give it. A, you should give him a. You should give him a try. You, That's true. Hold on for one more day and then listen yeah, to it. There him. you go. There you go. <laughs> no, they, so one of I don't know if multiple or at least one of them has their graduate degree in ethnomusicology from UCLA. I mean, these are these are smart musicians that are like, let's do really good crafted pop music. And I, I think they I think they knock it out of the park. Okay. It's not. It's not a corporate like. Let's bring people in and let's manufacture something mm-hmm. simple and easy. I think it's super hard. And Jason, here's what I'm going to challenge you. I, I I'm not going to challenge you on taste because obviously people have their own taste. But let me ask you this: Do you think it's hard to write a really good pop pop song? Like yeah. a good pop song, like like a, a pop song, not just a song that's going to be popular, but a song that actually follows the conventions of pop music. I think it's actually a really hard. I, I do, to do, I do, and 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 those things become earworms for a reason. They right. s- they stick with people and become a part of the culture for a reason. Like they right. they connect to some some human rhythm that is is really interesting to a lot of people. And you hate him humans and their rhythms. Now I get it. It's the misanthropic. <laughs> 
nature of Jason. <laughs> I, I'm kind of surprised music. it took you this long to figure out. But that's why you hate pop music. Mm-hmm. No, okay. No, I don't know. I think it's I, I think it's interesting because there is this kind of I re, I think it was Jenny Lewis actually reading an, uh, I was reading an, an interview with her or something like maybe at the turn like right around two thousand eight or nine and she was kind of saying how what she wants to do more than anything is write really poppy music. And she's like, yeah, there was a time where I hated pop music. And then I kind of got over it and said, why? Why do I hate pop music? Why? You know, but that's I actually kind of like that's it. That's an interesting comparison. To, and I hope this. we're not stepping on anybody's list. But if you compare Haim to Jenny Lewis, like Jenny Lewis is a pop artist Mm -hmm. but there's a there's a cleverness to her pop Mm -hmm. that's i feel like much different to like what listen to listen to listen to some hymns i i think because that i mean literally she came up she was in her backing band i think in some ways she was just better at writing pop music you know and she didn't come in into the same but but i don't know i mean I i don't hear i mean i don't hear the shania or the wilson phillips but it's not because it's like i don't you know, but I maybe it's because of the context where I, they, there was some credibility there, which is interesting. Did I listen to Haim differently? Yeah, would when you, I found would, out, like I was going to say, would you have Jenny given Lewis Haim concert? a chance if you would have wouldn't have known that they were that maybe she had a connection to Jenny Lewis? Yeah, maybe not as much. No, we have Jenny Lewis to blame. Yeah, for your list, it is Three Sisters, which is kind of cool. Um, which I, hey, Wilson Phillips, there you go, <laughs> there you go. Okay, let's let's move on from Haim. We can move on. I'll let you guys explore and become uh, educated and enlightened on your own. Thanks for bringing it to our attention. Yes, sure. indeed, indeed. So, 2014. I've got two 2014s, and I've got one. I have three, so maybe I'll go first. Yep. Okay. Um, well, similar story here. This is another artist that I became aware of because they started out in. A backup band. Uh, this is My Brightest Diamond. And she, I don't know if she started out in Sufjan's backup band, but I know i know she went on tour with him for the Illinois album. She was part of the Illinois Makers. Illinois Makers, sorry. Um, and then her debut album, As My Brightest Diamond, came out uh, a couple years after that. So her name is Shara Warden. Well, now Shara Nova. Um but the goes by the band name My Brightest Diamond, and she had a lot of great songs in uh, in the previous decade. Um, but I really like this album. Uh, let's see what's what's the album called. Uh, this is my hand. The album came out in 2014, um, and she is an incredible musician and great voice. Kind of an operatic, like that kind of trained voice. Where she can she can reach the craziest high notes and super low notes she can she can do all kinds of stuff um, and writes write songs can do really complicated things can do pop stuff so check out this this song is before the words by my, my brightest diamond. There was the voice Before the verse There was the sound Before the form There was the music Before the pen and paper There was the Ooh 
I dig her a lot. Uh, I would say she's kind of like a mix between someone like Joni Mitchell and Jeff Buckley. Like she can do like the really emotive, um, like Jeff Buckley type type stuff with the the really barbaric yop kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> you know just let, let it let it all out like that barbaric yop yeah I love dead poet society nice. yeah um uh, but also like Joni mitchell she can do all kinds of genres and can do experimental really weird stuff but uh just really lets her um I don't know. In- introspective, interesting lyrics really goes to the heart of things. Is she still on the Asthmatic Kitty label? No, and I'm, still not, releasing I'm stuff? not sure. She she's still releasing stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know anything about her. I'm I'm interested to to dig a, into that. An album, latest album is called A Million and One. Came out in 2018. Um, and her first one, should I see if that's on Asthmatic Kitty? It doesn't say. Yeah, I know her first few. Albums, at least, were on Sufjan's Asthmatic Kitty label. Bring Me the Workhorse is her debut from 2006. Nice. So, I like it. Her voice you don't is, know her, Jason? His voice is, her voice oh. is really, really good. I don't. Yeah, you're, you're going to want to check her out. Yeah, I will. For I, I've got an interesting connection to that. I'm, I'm, it'll be interesting to, com, I think, compare the two in a minute. Yeah. Did you ever listen, Brandon, to Rafter, who was also on that label? Mm-hmm. I liked at least one or two of his songs quite a bit, but haven't listened to it in a long time. I did. I I thought about it when we were doing 2000s because I I couldn't remember if the song I liked of his was from 2000s or mm-hmm. 2010s. I'm just looking. She put out. So what album was that? Was that Bring Me the Workhorse? This is my hand. This is that was the name of the album. Yeah. Yeah, that's Asthmatic Kitty. So her first five albums were Asthmatic Kitty, and then she put one out in 2018 that was Rhyme and Reason. Mm-hmm. Which uh, none of those are big. I've never heard of Rhyme and Reason, but I know Asthmatic Kitty is a very small label. Yeah. I think people know about it if they already know about Sufjan. That's how I knew about it. Yeah, you know, I'd get on the, the newsletter and be like, oh, cool, this, this is cool. But, but even that, like record labels, I think, have a different value now than they did before i don't yeah. know that they people get as hung up about them yeah right i mean it, it might just be the name of a guy's she, house she's got a cool cover of this song called feeling good which i wasn't super familiar uh, with the song before but like when i heard her do it i like oh i've heard this song before who's it originally by not sure but it's uh let me look it up I think it was Tom York and the Yokels. <laughs> and the local uh, Yokels. Nina Simone, it looks like. Oh, wow. Nice. So check out uh, my Brass Diamonds version of Feeling Good. Cool. Might, uh, might scratch your itch. All right, good choice. That's another one to add to my list to check out. Mm-hmm. This is, see, this has already been, um, been fruitful. It's paying off. Yeah. Big time. Yep. Indeed. Have I heard, I don't know, like... Just thinking back, I don't know that I've heard any of your picks so far. Like I think it's they good. were all new wow. to me. All new stuff. Wow. Very cool. Uh, wow. So you got a 2014? I only have one. You've got I've two. I've got two. You go ahead. One of mine, I'm guessing, maybe from the same album yours is. Um, I'll just jump right to it. it it's 
I was going to ask you guys, can you name your favorite albums? I could name my three favorite albums from this decade. This is from one of my three favorite albums from the decade. It's it's uh, D'Angelo from mm, Black Messiah. I'm so glad you have it. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, you don't have it? I All didn't right. have him just because there's, yeah, because I had him last decade. Yeah. And I was like, I wanted to, but no. So this was a tricky one for me. It's a great um, album. So we talked, I think, at length about D'Angelo in the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, I think he's... Um, almost on par with Prince as far as his ability to to really just bounce between styles and do it very effectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, he makes gospel, funk, soul, R&B, hip-hop. Um, it, this album feels almost like a companion piece to, like, There's a Riot Going On by Sly and the Family Stone. Mm, yeah. Um, the crazy thing about this album is he so he made um Voodoo which was this legendary kind of neo soul album we talked about the Soulquarians Jay Dilla helped produce Questlove helped produce and they had all these legendary people on it and um and then he took a break he didn't make an album for like what was it 15 years 17 years and um then Questlove I think kind of let the cat out of the bag that this album was being worked on mm-hmm. and it started garnering immediate hype. Like, Oh my gosh, D'Angelo is going to put out another album Finally, because yeah, because he, 14, he was 15 years. Yeah. It, it was considered voodoo was considered such like a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. People were that, that cared about that type of music were really excited. And so it had a ton of hype, around it which is always it always makes me nervous when an album is is getting hyped up so big before it comes out especially if it's an artist i like like that's always a formula for me to be disappointed and this was one of the rare cases where the album totally lived up to the hype for me i I think it's one of the like i said it's, it's one of my three favorite albums from the decade um, I think it captures a, a moment and a feeling of of you know for him being black in America at that time and it's it's just really cool it it weaves in and out of styles it's hard to pin down just a single style i would probably describe it as a funk album mm-hmm. Like a funk R and B album. I think that's the, probably the best way to describe. But, but yeah, it's anyway. I, I'm still not 100 percent certain what song I'm going to pick. I've got four listed that I could pick. Um, I think I'm going to go with. Uh, so I'm going to pull a Jordan. The most accessible <laughs> song would be "Really Love." Go check it out if you want the most accessible song on that. That's not the one I'm picking though. I'm going to pick a little bit less accessible, but just kind of cool. Um, that'll give you a, a feel. F- I think for the vibe. Uh, let's do. Let's do "Back to the Future" Part One. It's mm. um, a good one. And you could combine this with "Back to the Future" Part Two, but we won't have time. But play "Back to the Future" Part One, and this is this is where you'll hear kind of that Sly and the Family Stone. There's a riot going on. I think kinship on it. So D'Angelo from Black Messiah.
jump forward about a minute you'll start to catch kind of this wandering bass that comes through it pick that one no, um, so good yeah it's so it's there's a lot of subtlety to what he does throughout this album but it's so like masterfully put together he's a really good guitarist he just he pulls things together his voice really good he's got that falsetto um he's so pretty angelo singing and playing guitar yeah and he's pretty funny pretty clever like he's got a verse so one of the he's he famously appeared like in his biggest music video shirtless and it, it appears maybe pantsless it, it shows like all the way down to the pelvic bone and uh it, it, that was a big thing like his abdomen was um was discussed uh, qu- quite a bit <laughs> yeah. and so he has this verse in that song because he's been gone out were, of the were they lobbying to have him star in 50 shades of gray <laughs> i think so so there's, see that six pack. there's this verse in the song where he he acknowledges that he's been out of the game. He's been gone. And he goes, if you're wondering where I've been, I hope it's not my abdomen that you've been wondering about. Like <laughs> he's, he's, he makes a joke and he's, he's, yeah. he's funny. He's clever. He's, it seems pretty self-aware and I, I wish he was more prolific. I wish he made more stuff yeah, because absolutely. he's a, he, he really is a legitimate genius. Um, but I'm glad we have that album. It, the whole thing start to finish is I think a masterpiece. It's really great. I'm glad you you chose something. It's definitely one of my favorite albums of the decade. And um, one of the things you mentioned, kind of his, you know, like the, the you said something about him. Uh, what was it? The kind of the time that he released it. There, there was it was actually very much right around the kind of Ferguson. It was near Ferguson riots yeah. that were happening, and he actually said something like he's notorious for in his like i guess only three albums now that he's put out kind of delaying and delaying kind of perfectionist and people around him quest love others that are working on it come on release it and those riots kind of actually tipped it for him because he was going to hold on to it and tinker with stuff more and he said okay i gotta put this out kind of you know as part of this movement of black lives matter and all the stuff that was going on at the time um but yeah if you want to is hear a great interview sometimes interviews with musicians and artists are kind of silly you know it's superficial but he does a i think there's a three or four part interview with tavis smiley 
that you can find on YouTube. It's about 20, 30 minutes long. I just watched it a couple weeks ago. Really good. They talk about their kind of both of their different upbringing in like the church, uh, the black church and gospel music and and D'Angelo's kind of being influenced by his grandmother and by by gospel music and by spirituality and he you know they talk about the whole thing him being kind of labeled into a, a kind of a sex icon and like he wasn't mad about it but at the same time it like that's never kind of what he was but he was kind of like, well it was a distraction from yeah, the music right, he's a legitimate right. musical genius he and is, people yeah. wanted to talk about a six-pack right right and they talk they talk about all oh, sorts which was of stuff. incredible by the way yeah, it was yeah <laughs> so it's it's a great it's a great interview it's uh gives a good Fine, finally, men are being treated, treated thank that you, way. Thank you. Right? I, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that because this was directly um, prompted because of the what was happening in yeah. Ferguson, and he wanted his voice. That's, and so this is one of the albums I was referencing that was a direct response, um, a, a pretty overt response to an event yeah. in, in American history and American culture where uh, an artist put out, I, I think, a really thoughtful voice yeah. on the on the. The topic right. and the event, and he it wasn't that he wrote these songs after that. He had been working on this album literally for since Voodoo. I mean, they had been working on this stuff for years yeah. um, with some hiccups in the way, but it was it was the the event that prompted him to say, "Okay, I need to put this out. This is it's time." Um, it, it's also interesting. Um, the you know the past couple of weeks have been a, a really um, kind of staggering moment mm-hmm. in american history and it's been interesting going back through some of these albums and seeing you know what artists were saying in 2016 and 2014 and 2010 mm-hmm. in very specifically asking yeah for to be listened to right. like like not, it's not a new phenomenon and, 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 and they weren't and they yeah. weren't subtle this wasn't a subtle request and you know the 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 recent events have caused some people to take notice that i think yeah. haven't been paying attention but there's been some like i said some really i think beautiful art in the last decade yeah. that has really been begging mm-hmm. for this in a really heartfelt way well, on the topic of the current social climate, which is, um, in case you're listening in the year 2077, you know, uh, it's 2020 right now, and we've got the the killings of George Floyd, of Breonna Taylor, of Ahmed Aubrey, of others, and it's just it's in the wake of COVID-19, and, and there's just been an eruption of protests, and uh, it feels like a, a difference to me in terms of white people being more engaged yeah. with something that black people have been protesting and, and talking about for a long time. And, you know, I think there's fear for a lot of, I was at the Provo March today and, and one of the women who was speaking was saying, please don't let this be a trend. Like, don't let this be just a hashtag on your Instagram. Don't let this just be something that you do one summer that you remember. Look, like this is a struggle that we've been in. And if you look back, NWA, right? When NWA was was doing stuff, I looked at them and thought, oh, look at these these guys who are too aggressive and too too whatever and too. But it was very much related to police brutality and to instead of being submissive in the face of it, being loud and being vocal. And you look at you know there's 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 such a history in music over. Well, the that's past what I'm saying. It's years. not subtle. I have two albums yeah. on my list that um, that will come up that specifically are are addressing police brutality in yeah. the, in those same um, communities, right. and and so it it's been it's been really interesting to kind of go back and and look through the the art that was created in over that 
this past right. decade and, and see that this voice has been there. Right. Um, and it's so ho- hopefully thing. we're getting better. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we're getting better at listening um, and, uh, and, and being empathetic right. um, and compassionate. But anyway, um, listen to black Messiah. It's a great album. It's a fun album. It's a, it's a, a thought provoking album. And I think musically it's a really genius album. Very rich. That's what listening to that track that you picked. I forgot how rich the instruments, the feel just, yeah, really cool stuff. Brandon, you cool. have anything to say about it, about D'Angelo? No, I, I really dig it. I, I have not listened to the album, but I will. It's on your list. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to do my 2014 and then you, you guys both have, he has two more. I have one more. Okay. So maybe Let's go let him go and then first. Go yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. Next up, uh, I've got another uh, solo female artist here, um, Sharon Van Etten, mm-hmm. who uh, this is one that I discovered while while researching this. So I don't know a ton about her. Uh, she has, I think, five or six full full length albums out. Uh, so she's been doing this for a while. Um, and so the song I chose is called Afraid of Nothing. Um, I'm putting her in here as, kind of as a representative of of this genre that seems to be really big in this decade of <clears throat> the uh, female singer-songwriters, mm-hmm. where I know they've been been around forever, uh, but Jordan mm-hmm. talked about last decade where of that they? being yeah. the, uh, the uh, decade of the understated male yeah. singer-songwriter, mm-hmm. where I think it's kind of shifted in this decade where it's there's so many mm-hmm. of the you know female singer songwriters with with a guitar and great voice and interesting lyrics and so ton of cool stuff going on i, I was gonna maybe wait but since you brought it up um that's been one of the most the, the i think the coolest parts with of this list so six out of my ten mm-hmm. are are female mm-hmm. are female artists mm-hmm. yeah. um which is a an awesome i think change in trend from the early 2000s Mm -hmm. which for the three of us was not represented well at all with with female artists and they they really represented strong i think they actually kind of kicked the dude's asses in in the 2010s in an awesome way so Mm -hmm. and hopefully that uh, that trend continues Mm -hmm. so here's oops yeah here's uh sharon van etten from the album are we there the song afraid of nothing
that does it for me. The yeah. way that song builds mm-hmm. starts out with just the the piano and then her voice coming in, and then those Very other sounds nice. coming in, and, and then with that second verse when the drums come in. Wow. wow. It's nice. It's a good, clean recording. I love when piano's used effectively, and that was that was really nice. I don't know a ton about her. I've I've heard a little bit. I know her name. Um, I I got to dig in a little bit more now. She had an album out last year that was on a lot of people's best top ten of of the year, and even higher praise than that. Uh, the top ten of the decade. The album last year was it called Seventeen or something like that? Did you hear that album? Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, she's got a song called Seventeen. Remind me tomorrow is the album. Okay, the song Seventeen was yeah. yeah. Okay, good pick. All yeah. right, and like, like I said, I don't know a ton about her, but just from the the songs that I've heard and was putting on my list while yeah. I was researching, she's got definitely she's, need to check out more. I agree with you with the singer songwriter and Jason. You said six out of your ten. I was just looking. Mine is right now five out of ten, but ton, more of my honorable mentions. Are females then males? So I've got uh, an even split, and she's a singer songwriter, but she's also a lot of her songs are are really rocking, you know. And there are quite a few of the. It's kind of singer songwriter. It's a little there's some good good rock and roll and some good soft stuff in there. It's a good pick. All right, are we moving on? Mm-hmm. My 2014, and we'll go Jason next. Yeah, heck okay. yeah. So this is one of my favorite artists of the decade. I came across him from the YouTube algorithm, like listening to music on YouTube playlist. And then it kept on, um, uh, recommending this certain artist, but it was like recommending the whole album. Like, and it was like a 25 minute album. And I was like, what is this album? That's got 12, two and a half minute songs or whatever, you know? (laughs) And so I listened to it. And at first I was like, Oh, that's pretty good. You know? And then it kept coming up. So I listened to it more and I was really liking it. Then I watched some interviews with this guy, and I freaking love his his like his attitude, his persona. Like he's just this kind of chill, laid back Canadian dude. He's another Canadian guy, kind of the gen- here we go, a little okay. generation younger right. than us. But yeah, hey, <laughs> I, I'm I'm American. I'll admit it. You know, I'm that's no shame there. But the Canadians are doing something right with their music. That's all I'm saying. Both this decade and the last. But his name's Mac DeMarco. You may have heard of him. In fact, one time, Brandon, when we were watching some of your students' short films, mm-hmm. it was a skateboarding video that some of your students, they had, they had a Mac DeMarco song that they had, like, pitched low, like they had slowed down, and it was, like, slower than his usual. And it was actually very cool and effective. And I gave your students high marks for, <laughs> for use of music because I was like, I know this artist and I like this artist and that makes me feel I'm young, excited to hear a song. So I had a song from his album this year that I, that I cut. Um, yeah. But it, it, this was a good album. He's got some great albums. You didn't name the album. I Sorry, it's I stole Salad your thunder. Salad Days yeah, yeah. is the album. This is probably his first kind of bigger, big one. And he's had more since that, that people like. He's still very indie, but a lot of people know him. Like he's got his own little cult following. Kind of, kind of slacker. Like it's like the '90s revisited in terms of, you know. But it's almost like, uh, you know, slacker, but more like dressing like a, a a dad or something. It's like dad, dadcore. I don't know what the, what the <laughs> name is, but but Mac DeMarco. The song I'm, I chose is "Chamber of Reflection" from 2014. He's got a very interesting sound that I've started to hear other people kind of using similar stuff like the the guitar kind of intonations and the effects with the guitar and the way the drums are 
mic'd and stuff, but Mac DeMarco, Chamber of Reflection from Salad Days from 2014. So I had the self-titled from this one on my honorable yeah, mention. Yeah, yeah. Salad Days, that, it was between those two, yeah. and I just had to pick one, but yeah. someone who I think just one song it's hard to kind of kind of tell if you're going to like him or not um, but I'd say check it out Salad Days is another great song but the albums kind of flow into each other the songs and there's been a I mean he's, he's using the falsetto there in his last couple albums I think there's even more of that and more almost soul and R&B influence yeah I've, I found him through a uh, not through the the YouTube algorithm, but through the KRCL algorithm of just playing generally good music that I tend to like. KRCL is our local independent station that's been around for several decades that I think probably all three of us have probably listened to for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, he was a staple, has been a staple um, pretty pretty regularly on on their rotation. And so I, I heard the self-titled track from that, um, sh- I think shortly after it came out on on KRCL and um, it was good. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's unique. It's, it's kind of unique pop. Um, I think it's in a lot of cases still pop, but he's, he's got kind of a unique spin on it and just an interesting artist. He's a fun, a fun exploration. His self proclaimed uh, influences or favorite groups are, he's mentioned black Sabbath, Christopher Cross, Shuggy Otis, Sushi, sushi and the Banshees. I don't know how you say Susie, Susie and, and the, the Banshees. Banshees. Yeah. Why is it spelled so weird? <laughs> Susie, oh, Susie. Susie. Susie Sue. That's man. right. That's right. Susie and the Banshees. Steve Ricks is going to destroy He's you, gonna be dude. Like, well, I know. I know. I know the name. I'm just uh, as I read it, I'm like, like I'm actually worried for you when he hears oh, this. He, he might. He might do something. <laughs> Uh, Genesis, Sting, and Weezer. So he's, you know, these are some of his. Like, the, so I've never heard that. The crazy thing is, you can hear if you're familiar with all of those groups, yeah. you can hear very distinctly right. each one of their influence in what he does. The the last influence he cited, I think Brandon, you might have played this person, but it's a Japanese uh, musician named Har- Haruomi Hasono. Did you? Is that the one you played for us? No. Okay. Is that even That's an actual his, name, Brandon? Haruomi. I, I'm pretty Haru sure he. Ma- no. Haruomi Hosono. As long as it's got a consonant and then a vowel, then it's potentially a Japanese name. Yeah. Supposedly he's he's one of the most influential. He's got two Japanese consonants in a row. Musicians, but Not Japanese. I haven't listened to him. But supposedly he's a, a big influence on Mac DeMarco. Maybe I'll check it out. Good choice. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, I got a 2014. I think I'm the la- am I the last 2014, or you have one, you got one more? Brandon's got one more. All right, I'll go. So I'm interested in this one as kind of in um, contrast or in composition with your My Brightest Diamond pick, because I have somebody else that also performed with Sufjan Stevens before she went solo. Yeah. Um, she was Same also... Vincent. Yeah, she was also part of the Polyphonics free spree. It's St. Vincent. Um, I f- find her to be one of the most intriguing artists of the last decade. To, in my mind, she's an absolute, just like, artistic monolith. She's, mm-hmm. I think she's really legitimately brilliant. So St. Vincent released her, her self-titled album. Um, she had done quite a bit before she'd done work with David Byrne of the talking heads. When I hear her, she's, um, she feels very influenced by like David Byrne by David Bowie. Mm -hmm. Um, she kind of integrates art throughout like her her presentation of herself her performance presentation it's all very art-based the thing that i think is awesome about her is her voice is incredible like absolutely incredible but she is a top-tier guitarist she's like she could she could melt your face off with a like a guitar solo she can shred she's got a guitar that's designed for yeah Mm -hmm. she she can legitimately shred on the guitar and i think that's super cool especially you know in this in this age we talked about you know singer songwriters where are they are there are, is there going to be guitar rock you know, 10 years from now, or yeah. is everybody just going to be playing on their computer? And she, um, she can do everything. And so this album, her self-titled St. Vincent, it's one of my favorite albums uh, of the last decade as well. Um, not in my top three, but one of my favorites. I could have picked several songs off this. I went with Digital Witness, um, kind of her commentary on the role that social media plays in our lives. And she kind of takes the the position within the song as the, the, um, the voice of kind of the big brother that's, that's watching over us. And it's just kind of clever thoughts about what social media has done to our life, but it's a, a cool song. And I think it shows off her voice. I think it shows off her, her guitar playing. She's, she never really overdoes it with the guitar and she's done stuff. Like she appeared on some, um, Prince, um, some some print specials where he was being honored through music. She's performed with the surviving members of Nirvana to celebrate Nirvana. I think she even performed with them when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She she seems to be really kind of like a musician's musician. She's mm-hmm. I think she's pretty well respected within the um, the industry. But I was fascinated like. I think this weirdly says a lot about Sufjan Stevens' ability to recognize talent as far as the the people that he brings in and his as his um, band as mm-hmm. well, yeah, which is yeah. is kind of a cool commentary on him. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Digital Witness by Saint Vincent off her self titled album.
It's so good. That's sick. If if <laughs> I can't show it and you can't see it, what's the point of even trying? Like, is there a better commentary on this past decade? <laughs> um, but musically, she's good, and she can, like I said, she can shred. She has elements of like almost being hard on like like rock, and then she brings in kind of computer and dance. She makes dance music. She can. She's very Bowie esque in her ability to blend yeah. blend styles. She's really like a performance artist in a lot of ways. And coming up with like a different look for each album. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I would, from the pictures, it seems like she keeps that image like for the tour. Yeah. She, so she'll pick like, so during this era, she performed on Saturday Night Live and she, they did, uh, I don't know if you can still find them. They, they were taken down from the internet for a while, but uh, that like, if you can find those, those represent kind of the artistic the aesthetic of that album and then the tour that accompanied mm-hmm. it. I think she's on the record of, of being pretty unapologetic in her, um, her desire to kind of follow the, the Bowie pattern of art and music and um, really innovative. Uh, I, I, if you're not familiar with her uh, and, and you like kind of the, the artistic style of rock art, rock in general, dig into her stuff. It's, it's well worth it. Yeah. Was that, was that uh like a trio of Barry Saxes in there, Jordan? It was some some like really cool ways of mixing horns, and I don't I don't know exactly what it was, but it sounded like at least a, a Barry Sax maybe tracked a couple times. I don't know, but it was kind of a. Well, you want to sell me on a song? You put a Barry Sax. In yeah, there. no kidding. <laughs> are you a Jerry Mulligan fan? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, you are. You better, you better start listening to some Jerry Mulligan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great pick. I'm, I'm glad St. Vincent made it on here. She uh, got on my honorable mention. Um, speaking of guitar rock, I mean, you, you claim that she can shred, and I, I do believe you, but I didn't hear it in that song, <clears throat> and I don't know that I've heard it in any of the songs yet. And that's another thing about this decade. You'll notice a drastic absence of guitar rock. Of shredding? Yeah. Um, even even the bands that are known to do that, like Radiohead, barely plays guitar anymore. Um, and yeah, any any guitars you hear are going to be acoustic, or if they're electric, it's like lots of effects and kind of in the background. Um, I'm I know that like black metal and and uh, doom metal and those things have have their fan bases, but it's you'd be hard pressed to find like a really popular song out there in the decade that's guitar rock um so here's here's my representation of my favorite band that still uses guitars distorted guitars <laughs> uh this is royal blood uh from their self-titled debut album from 2014 and the song is out of the black
guys familiar with? Red no, blood? no. And in mm-hmm. fact, the introduction to that made me smile bigger than I have this whole podcast so far, <laughs> just because it was so surprising was and powerful. so so yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, I yeah. do. I do miss guitar rock. These, yeah, these guys are a ton of fun. Uh, I got tipped off to, about them by our friend Jed Wells. He, he mm. sent this album to me, said I need to check it out, and I, I love it. Um, believe it or not, the like this was a surprise to me, but this is just two guys, uh, a drummer and a bass player. Oh, wow. A little Black Keys action. Yeah, but reverse. Right. So, yeah, he's just playing a bass guitar, but getting all those sounds, and he can do it live. Like, you watch their live concerts, he's doing all that. So he's he's got this huge... Uh, pedal board that you can click on different pedals and it'll either only play the actual bass or it'll send it through like an octave thing to L- like a pi- an octave. It'll pitch it yeah. up so I'm going to have to go back and listen I don't want to make you do it here is, for their recordings do they multi-layer stuff or is, he, is, it a record, is the recording comparable to what they could do live oh I'm sure it's multi-layered in the recording but he can do it live like Interesting. It, the live performances don't sound all that different from yeah. from the uh, the album. So, yeah, because he can. They've got pedals that'll split the signal, send it to two different amps, have hmm. octaves. But yeah, the. I mean, that's like Les Claypool level of like you you listen to Primus and stuff, and you're like, how can he sing and play that intricate kind of stuff? And same with this, he's playing really complicated riffs and having to push the pedals at different times because sometimes it's you're only hearing what would be a guitar yeah so he's like alternating all this stuff even the guitar solos like they sound like a guitar but he's, he's basically switching instruments mid-song yeah that's crazy that's cool i'll have to yeah. check it out Very cool. and they they've got some cool like time signature stuff the the drummer's really really good a lot a lot of these duos like black keys white stripes mm-hmm. um like Hats off to Meg White, but you know she, she not doesn't, a not a great drummer. She she does what needs to be done. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. but like listen to this stuff, you're like, wow, that's some cool some cool drum work. Right. So check them out, Royal cool Blood. Yeah, excellent. So does this does this wrap up the first half of the decade? It does. Well, 2015, technically. Well, you know, you're yeah, you're not. Never mind. I don't know that's how to five count. years. That's five years worth yeah. of a decade. That's it. So let's uh, let's wrap up. Part parting one thoughts. Of, parting of thoughts episode. for the first half of the decade. I think it was interesting, like you said, Brandon, how much of the stuff hasn't been hasn't been heard. And I realize part of what I'm doing, I'm choosing to put on our our record stuff that I want to share with you guys, with my friends. Mm-hmm. And my audience friends, my listeners friends. So there's, there's song. If someone was saying, "Are you picking the songs that best represent what 2010 music is?" You know, in the wide varieties, I probably wouldn't would be failing. Like, well, I should probably have, you know, one of what uh, Taylor Swift songs on there. But I'm picking the songs that that I want to share with people. So that was one thought I had, um, mm-hmm. for better or worse. But I'm it's it's fun to do that. So I'm yeah, stick I, with it. this is a tricky decade. Um, We'll, we'll get into it in the other half. Um, I, I can guarantee, like, Decade Champ and stuff is going to be tricky because this, uh, we, I think we've alluded to it. It's just, it's hard to quantify, like, what makes a hit. I think genres are starting to disappear and be blurred. Like, a lot of what I have can't really just be put into one box. And, um, and then the way we consume it is, is really 
different as well. And so it's, um, it's made it a really fun decade. In some ways, this has been my favorite one to dig through. Um, but it, I think it also makes it hard to just sum up with a, a neat bow on top and say, yeah, this was the blank decade mm-hmm. because there's, there's so much going on. So it'd be interesting to compare our lists to someone that like graduated high school in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Be very different. But, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, someone that has, uh, you know, great yeah. taste in music, but is also like living in it in the moment as opposed to being 40 year olds. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, like, at least for me, like, like I mentioned, uh, I think when you get to like at my age, I'm not as into discovering the new stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to shows of new stuff. Like when I was a teenager, that was life, like going to the shows yeah. and anything that was new. And so di- different perspective. So I'd I'd like yeah. to hear what our if we have any long, younger listeners out there, what uh, what you do. think of these picks? <laughs> <laughs> but I you know I know what what's played a lot at the pool or the football games and that yeah. kind of stuff. I and think you've got a our, golden our list is not a golden opportunity yeah. to make this a mandatory homework assignment for one of your upcoming classes. Uh, good point. I think the students would rather take the F. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Let, tell them they can listen to it on two times speed. <laughs> right. Just burn through it. Okay. All well, right. That's part one. Wrap it up. 2010s have been super fun. Um, looking forward. So I got six left for the, the second I half. I only, two. I only did four. Jordan, I swear you did seven. Right? You say, never never curse your name. I keep my lips shut tight. Until you go. Oh.